recognizing that even when I feel like I'm alone, I'm not alone. I'm a part of a world that's much bigger than me. I'm a part of a community. If I believe the lie that I'm alone, it may lead me to despair. Has your life, your dreams been interrupted? Good news, it is possible to reinvent our lives. People are doing it every day, and some are brave enough to share the struggles, disappointments, and challenges. If you are looking for a new beginning, a do-over, or to rediscover your passion, maybe even find a new one, then grab a cup of coffee and let's talk. Interrupted, Act 2, Reinventing Your Legacy, with your host, Coach Lori. Christine Rose, welcome to the show. Hi, Lori. Great to be here with you. Christine is an international best-selling author, speaker, business coach, and entrepreneur. I want to say mentor too. Life beyond hashtag me too. She was awarded a 2022 Pinnacle Book Award, which is amazing. Tell us about your life, Christine. Thanks, Lori. I'm a grandma. The love of my life is my one-year-old grandson, AJ, and I get to spend time with him every week. I am a coach since 2015. I work primarily with small business owners to help them grow revenue, profitability, and high-value companies that they can sell one day. I have a new startup, CEO Excel. It is a virtual a learning community for CEOs with a million-plus revenue companies. And it's a place where they come together and learn from each other in CEO mastermind groups. It's just a really cool way for CEOs to keep that lifelong learning without the major time investment of some traditional groups. I'm passionate about what I do every day. One of the things that's happened for me was I actually retired from a nonprofit development director role. And I decided after that, that I wanted to study coaching because I had hired a coach during my career and it was so impactful. I really wanted to know why. Learning coaching was life-changing for me because it's a way of being that unconditionally supportive, transformational impact in somebody's life. And then over time, I found that my clients, first I was just coaching women in transition Pretty quickly, I started getting women business owners. I got into some networking to connect with people. And the guys are like, well, why don't you coach men? I'm like, I have no problem coaching men. I'm happy to coach anybody who needs help with making things work better for them. Eventually, I've worked my way into coaching CEOs. But what I love about it, when I meet people for the first time, usually the people I coach are extremely busy, very high pressure on them. They're holding the bag for their whole company. They're exhausted. They're burning out and they're doing way too much because they haven't learned that there are other options yet, or they don't know how. They don't understand or haven't learned which conversations are missing in your company, what conversations need to happen for your teams to run effectively, what conversations need to happen for the people who are working for you to take the kind of ownership you have in your company. When we have these conversations and we're addressing in real time the challenges that CEOs are facing, and then they execute on what they're learning, they come up with solutions for themselves. They start to 
get some ahas and it's so rewarding. I had a client just finish working with, and he said, wow, in a year, we did this, 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 and this. I can't believe we did all that in a year. Having the conversations about mission, vision, and values with our company, hiring high-functioning, effective leaders, and getting the teams humming together, and expanding regionally and nationally. I mean, there are just so many things they were able to do. And it's really exciting to be on the ride. And I, I love that I work with a variety of companies from every different industry, from working with CEOs of trades and manufacturing companies and service-based companies and education, retail, wholesale, manufacturing, all these different kinds of companies. And so every time I get into a coaching agreement, I'm learning too, because I'm not the expert in their industry. That actually helps them because what I have is a beginner's mind and I help them see things in a new way because I don't have all the standard answers that they're going to get from a consultant. Then they design solutions that fit them and work for them and work for their company. I also love writing when I can. I contributed to a book called Cracking the Rich Code with Jim Britt, who used to coach Tony Robbins. Kevin Harrington, he's the guy on Shark Tank. He co-authors in that book, wrote a chapter called 16 Secrets to True Riches because there's more to life than money. I wrote a chapter in a book called From No Worth to Self-Worth, and that uh, was a fun book to contribute to. Writing Life Beyond Hashtag Me Too, Creating a Safer World for Our Mothers, Daughters, Sisters, and Friends. That was a labor of love. It kind of came to me that I needed to do this after the Me Too explosion in 2017. What I realized from a coach's perspective, this could be a transformational moment in history. It, it could really change how the world sees gender and how the world sees the value of people. It's a coaching book with questions at the end of every chapter. It's ideal for book groups and for corporations. Jack Canfield, my one of my mentors, said, I think every manager should be required to read this book. Marshall Goldsmith, who is the number one executive coach in the world, highly recommends the book to leaders, but it's also for people who have Me Too stories or people who have messed up and created a story for someone else because it really gets into the roots of what happened in our culture. What is it that led to a world where half the population is feeling like they're not safe. It's a really powerful tool. I was very fortunate to have a fantastic research associate with this book. She was the director of cultural resources for the Women's Rights National Historic Park and a PhD in women's history. And she also happens to be my sister, Vivian Rose. It really worked out to have research support and it's a meaty book, but it's, it's one that can change people's lives and really open up their eyes. I want to get to where you came from, but first I want to bring up something that it's kind of a pet peeve with me is, like you said, many people have become coaches and I also teach people to become coaches. And the problem is, is many of these coaches, number one, have not had training or number two, they're actually trained in a certain industry and they're actually a consultant. And that is so different. And the one key thing you said that just made me smile, you are the coach, but they are the expert. 
And when we recognize that and we can tap into what they know as a coach and ask powerful questions. If you want to create transformation, hire a coach. Do your due diligence when you're looking for a coach. I'm grateful for the International Coaching Federation that has set some standards for the industry. When I became a coach, it was 1998. It was interesting because so many people felt like it was like this woo-woo weird thing. The coach training changed my life because as a coach, learning to be a coach, you get coached. So yes, transformation is what happens. And if that's what you're looking for, get a coach. And yeah, I agree with you. I will never be without a coach again. I always say a good coach is well coached. As a business coach, it pays to have business acumen and some knowledge about what it is that people are talking about because you are doing the coaching conversation. And if you're really, truly coaching, the impact on an individual or on a team can be so profound. And if you're coaching with awareness of where they're coming from and really being able to open up their awareness, and that's the key for for leaders is we can't see what we don't see. Having a coach creates this opportunity for you to see beyond what you can see with their reflection and with their questions. It's a really powerful tool. You've got this awesome life, but it wasn't always like that. Where did you come from before you reinvented yourself? It wasn't always awesome. I grew up in a home with three sexual abusers in my home and I was the target. I really kind of escaped through school, lived in the library, and I have a lifelong love for libraries as a safe place. And I moved as far away from home as I could for college. And I brought a lot of challenges from a very rough foundation into my life. After college, I graduated from Georgetown University with a business degree and had some success there. After college, I moved back to the Seattle area and I worked in sales, got married, had kids. One of my stories was my kids will be safer if I'm at home with them. Now, as the author of Life Beyond Hashtag Need To, I know that was a story. It helped me be able to enjoy quite a few years at home with my kids. I reentered into the, the workplace when they were older, was in business development, went into nonprofit development. One of the challenges of, of being an abuse victim at that time was that I, I kind of had a broken people picker. I didn't have a, a great ability to discern trustworthiness and goodness in my partner or in people that I trusted. That was a challenge for me. I did end up getting divorced. Navigating the waters after divorce was challenging too. Another thing that happened to me was that in my writing, I was blogging about my faith to a small group and linked up to somebody. And I didn't know much about blogging and backlinks and that kind of thing back in that day. But I, I attracted the attention and kind of became a, a lightning rod for a group of people whose ideology didn't line up with mine. Really, for now we're going on 17 years, I have had all sorts of invasive interference in my life from a group of people that didn't like where I was back then. And they made me into a poster child of somebody to harass. That's been super challenging. I haven't had a place I've lived since 2006 that hasn't been broken into 
And of course, I've worked with different police departments to try to preserve my safety. One of the things that I decided as a result of those challenges was I define my safety. I define my life. I choose what is important to me, what I believe, who I spend time with. And I developed a real positive set of boundaries that have helped me to have safety and have freedom in the life that I live. I've also been a lifelong learner. One of the things I did in studying coaching was that expanded my worldview about how I see things and I can kind of coach myself, ask questions, notice how I'm showing up, notice what I'm thinking and what I'm believing. And then I've worked with many coaches. I've been really fortunate to train with Jack Canfield on the success principles and work with him one-to-one. I've been a member of the Institute for Generative Leadership and I've coached with Bob Dunham, who is the founder of that and really come to understand some amazing perspectives from that. And then also my faith, which was kind of the the reason for the group glomming on to me was they didn't like my faith expressions. But that actually has grown stronger through the persecution because I have learned what I believed was trustworthy and true, something that I can count on. I've moved several times. Have you heard, if not now, when? If not you, then who? Are you being prompted to write a book, to create a podcast? Check out Leaving a Legacy at www.coachlaurie, that's coach, L-A-U-R-I-E, dot com. And let's get started on your second act now. I've moved several times. I've had the privilege of being able to move into a place, remodel it and sell it for more money. And so that's fun. I have an investment property and I own my own home and don't have a mortgage. I own my car and don't have a car payment. Life is pretty easy for me now, but it it wasn't always easy. When you talk about the challenges, it sounds like you had a lot to overcome. You had mentioned your early childhood abuse set you up to have a bad picker, so to speak. How did you begin to transform and change those stories? It started out when I found the book, The Wounded Heart by Dan Allender in the library. It kind of jumped out at me and I worked through that and I've definitely worked with counselors to help me understand the impacts of abuse in my life and how it may be shaping thinking. That's like shining a light on the darkness. You don't see the darkness as anything except pain. But then when you shine light on it and you see things, people have studied this for decades now that this shame I shouldn't be owning, this is not mine to own. This need for safety and this mistrust of authority, these are things that are common when you go through what I go through. That was a huge help for me to be able to go through that counseling. And I would say even before I went through counseling, buying the book and the workbook and working my way through it on my own was super helpful. Those were some tools that helped me a lot. That's what I hear a lot in people reinventing themselves is they had to take a look at their mindset. One thing I often say to people is if you're doing the thing and doing the work that you think you're supposed to do to get somewhere and you're not getting there, but you're watching other people get there, maybe go back, take a look at 
some childhood things because your brain may be programmed a little different than others. And I'm sure you've heard of ACEs. I bring this up a lot because when people recognize, oh, ACEs is a thing, that almost gives them the validation to get the help to begin to move past whatever's been holding them back. We were raised in age, you don't talk about that. Yeah, ACEs can really direct so much of your life because there are hidden stories that go along with those childhood experiences. Getting help and support to understand how those stories may be limiting you can really help. And you can have breakthroughs, whether they're limiting stories about your self-worth. Gaining self-confidence is something that you can do. It's it's not like a lifetime curse that I don't have self-confidence. It's something that can be changed. Having good, healthy relationships is something that can be changed. Having confidence and the ability to earn money and take care of yourself is something that can be changed. A lot of those limiting beliefs can hold us back. And the good news is that we don't have to hold on to them. Once we recognize those, we can create a new belief and replace that belief. I have some great meditations that I've learned through working with Jack Canfield that have been really helpful for me. Openness to and curiosity around what might be an obstacle what are the things that may be holding me back can really be helpful. I've reached a certain level of success in my life, but what if it could be even more? And what might be holding me back from making an even bigger impact in the world for good? It's great to do some work on those things. It's helped me a lot. And that's such a good point because it is layers. We don't like arrive. It's encouraging to have a journey mentality in our bodies. We have this resistance to being on the edge of whatever it is we're learning and we're in a new place and it's frightening and we want to contract we want to constrict and we want to kind of go back to the safe zone no learning or growth ever happens in the safe zone it always happens when we're out there on the edge recognizing that we're on a journey the more comfortable we get on the learning edge the quicker we can go on our journey because we won't turn back as fast. We'll, we'll stay, we'll ask the questions, we'll see what we need to see. But having the idea that this is a journey, we're not finished yet. God's not finished with us yet. As long as we're breathing, there's still a purpose for us here. Maybe my journey hasn't gone very well and I'm, I'm not feeling like I'm on that success side of it. I'm still on the struggling, swimming, sinking side of it. Well, it helps to recognize that, hey, this is not the end. There were a couple times in my journey when I really was in so much pain from processing or from confluence of events that have happened where I really wanted to give up. I wished that I could have taken Robin Williams' place. But I also recognize the practice I have of expressing what I'm grateful for every day and the practice of stepping into what would it take to not be here anymore are divergent practices. You can't do both. You can either stay on your journey, find your blessings, count them and give thanks for them, or you can end it. 
right here. The thing that they don't tell you is when you're in this kind of pain and you're like, you know, I don't want my life to end, but I don't want to be in this pain anymore. There is a point where you won't be in the pain anymore when you've had a chance to travel on the journey further, gotten help and support, reached out to people, recognizing that we don't have to get through the pain alone, that actually having community can support us and can get us to the other side where then we have more compassion and an ability to help people who are back where we were. I think it's really powerful to think of life and the challenges that we go through as a journey. Those small daily habits make the huge impact over the long run. So whether you have a miracle morning practice or whether you have your own journaling practice that's different, or whether you are doing 75 hard, or whatever it is, having consistency in stepping outside of life to look at life and connect to source, having discipline and setting a pattern for yourself is a really powerful tool, a really powerful practice. And you mentioned gratitude. I do a lot of work with people in recovery. Any one of them will tell you if they don't do daily gratitude, they struggle. And not that they don't struggle anyway, but that that is a huge part of their recovery is that daily gratitude. And when I was a mom, my kids were little, I was in a really difficult situation. I read Sarah Band Breathnet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh -huh. I started that daily gratitude journal, three things every day. And I'll tell you, it was more easy for me to look at all the rotten things going on than the good things. And I started writing that gratitude journal. Okay, I have a roof over my head. They seem so basic. Did my situation change? No, but I changed. Yes. Yeah, so there's a, a Institute for Happiness in at the UC California, I think. And they actually have shown that the practice of gratitude rewires our brains for happiness. We don't know when we're getting into this practice, but before I close up my day, I, I write on Facebook five things I'm grateful for today. And I have people telling me, I'm so glad you post those things because it reminds me that, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for my garbage service too. I mean, imagine what life would be like if there weren't garbage service. And it's so nice to have somebody picking up my recycling. It's so nice to be able to go buy light bulbs at the store when the light bulbs run out. These little things, but when you're aware of little blessings, then what it does is it opens up your energy to receive more of them. It's not like I'm thankful so I can get more because that's not how it works, but it's like I'm thankful and I'm going to express my gratitude. And when I write thank you cards to people or I send thank you gifts to people, it's something that I do out of a practice and it just feels so good. And my brain is happier. So I'm just a really happy, happy person. <laughs> and it's really fun to be happy. And I've been, I've been miserable. I've been depressed and I don't, I don't like being miserable and depressed. So the gratitude practice makes a big difference. We're almost out of time. And I love that you talked about the challenges. What is it you really want people to know? Lori, one of the most powerful things I learned was that we can step outside of who we are in a moment and observe. We can observe our thoughts. We can observe our moods. We can observe our emotions. We can observe our practices 
when we do that, we put ourselves in a place of choice. We start by finding our center. If I notice my body, like if I just take like a, a, a minute, even 60 seconds, a couple, three, four times a day. And I just scan from head to toe and I put myself back in alignment, not leaning forward, not leaning back, not moving one side to our other, but I really align my body and take a breath and notice my breath. And then I notice what's my story right now. Then I'm stepping out and I'm, I'm observing the observer that I'm living in that moment. That practice of being able to observe my observer is probably the most life-changing thing that I have experienced because what it does regularly multiple times a day is put me back in a position of choice but we're not our past stories we're not how much money we make I'm not how much work I do I am a creative ball of energy that is here to bring some good to the world. And I do it by the choices I make. I get to create my future, my present with my choices. I'm co-creating with the divine all the time. And my choices become crystal clear aware to me when I step out into that observer role and observe my observer and notice what I'm thinking, what my story is, and hmm, is that where I want to be? And it's just such a powerful practice. If uh, a listener wants to find a place where they get to be in choice about how happy they are, about whether they're grumpy, uh, about whether they're sad uh, as a continual mood, it's really helped me so much to find my center and ask myself, what's my story? And notice what I'm thinking and put myself in a place of choice to decide what thoughts I want to have to direct where I am and where I'm going from this moment. That's beautiful. My original coach, Fran Fisher. Love Fran. Fran's amazing. She used to say dancing in the moment, taking that time to do what you suggested, just focusing on ourselves and the stories we're telling ourselves is absolutely life-changing. So thank you for sharing that. Before we go, I always like to ask, what are you reading? I'm reading The Innovator's Way by Peter Denning and Robert Dunham. And I'm reading The Leadership Dojo by Richard Strozzi Heckler. When I read, I read a passage three times. I read it first to kind of get the gist of it. And I read it the second time to have a conversation with the text and figure out what am I going to take from this that's going to impact my thinking or fit in with what I think. And then I read it a third time just to reinforce any main points. I love that. Christine, thank you so much. Thanks, Lori. It's been a real pleasure to be here with you. Coach Lori here. I am not anti-aging. I am all about aging gracefully. Did you know we stopped making collagen at a certain age? And did you know powdered collagen has to go through your whole digestive system? So I am a big fan of Glow Liquid Collagen. It helps me age gracefully inside and out. To order, check the link below. By the way, if you order two at the same time, free shipping. Or if you would like to be an affiliate, make a little extra cash, click the affiliate link. Three things we've learned from Christine. We are not alone. We can step out of ourselves 
and observe our thoughts, our actions, our moods. And we have choice. We always have choice. If you love this podcast, here's a big ask. Will you share with your friends and family? Subscribe, give us a review, and a five-star rating so that others looking to reinvent their lives will be able to get the help they're looking for. Thank you in advance.